Well, again, good morning. Glad you're here. You know, I was thinking this week about uh, little kids and Christmas, and I, I just love Christmas time. I just love everything about it, really. I was thinking about this little girl that was in her Sunday school class one time, and, and she was uh, just drawing like crazy. I mean, boy, she was just, you know, almost both hands just going like crazy, and the teacher came over and she said, uh, she said, hey, hey, Judy, what are you drawing there? Well, you're really going to town. That looks great. What is it you're drawing? She says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, Judy, I hate to tell you this, honey, but uh, nobody's ever seen God, and so they don't really know what he looks like. She said, well, they will real soon. Yeah, anyway, anyway, that's a... Uh, oh, the reason I bring that up, Sting Father, and you know, uh, um, we see our everlasting Father uh, through the lens of the Bible. We, we need to see our, him through the lens of the Bible rather than our earthly fathers. You know, we have all kinds of lenses in our lives. We have all kinds of ways that we see things. And we're going to talk about that today. Uh, but I want us to see the everlasting Father for who he really is, because I think if we were able to do that, uh, our behavior would change, our thinking would change, a lot would change. So let's just get started this morning talking about uh, the everlasting Father. Now, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on the language thing, uh, but some uh, Bible translations talk about, and even in Handel's Messiah, he talks about the everlasting Father. Uh, now, no reputable translation actually uses the word the. And the reason is the word the uh, connotes singular or of one kind. If this is uh, the phone, it is a singular thing. It is a singular phone. And the reason it's important that we understand that is that uh, as we see today, Jesus is not the Father in the Trinity. The Father is not Jesus, uh, but Jesus as part of the Trinity will contain some characteristics that are similar to the Father. Uh, Derek, I thought, did a great job last week of answering all your questions ever about the Trinity. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Father is God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, they're all God together, they're all one God with three different persons. That pretty much sums it up and answers all your questions, right? Probably not. But the word everlasting means eternal or ever-present, never-changing, dependable. It means rock-solid, everlasting. Something is everlasting. It's just going to last forever. And a father, of course, has the characteristics of a fatherly figure. And so that's what these words... The reason I bring that up and you're going, why is he talking about all that wording and all this? Uh, this is used some... This passage is used sometimes to support uh, bad theology saying that the father uh, turned himself into a fleshly person in the son, and so heaven was unoccupied while he was here on the earth. Okay, If that's true, all the time Jesus talked to the father, he was really very schizophrenic. He was talking to himself, knowing that the father wasn't there. So none of that makes any sense, but I want to make sure that you understand. When we talk about Jesus being the everlasting father... It doesn't mean he's the father of the Trinity. He's just a father that has characteristics like a father. So let's look at our passage, our main passage, Isaiah 9, 6. Here's what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now this was a prophecy about who Jesus would be back in the Old Testament, 
And it was saying, hey, here are the things that Jesus is going to be called because of who he is. Now, I mentioned those lenses, and the principle here is that lenses always change our perspective. You all look very different to me if I take my glasses off. Now, I'm nearsighted, and so I can see pretty well uh, five to ten feet in front of me without it getting too blurry. But past that point, things begin to blur. And so I wear my glasses all the time so that I can drive and not bump into things and all that kind of stuff. So you look one way right now, but as soon as I put these on, you look completely different. As I look through these lenses, it changes my complete perspective of what you look like. Here, everybody past the third row is just a blob. Here, you don't look anything like blobs. Now, I like to look at different glasses sometimes. You know, you put on your sunglasses, that's a different perspective. I don't know if you've ever seen these. These are kind of cool. These are special Christmas glasses. And when you put these on and look at lights, they all look like little Christmas trees. It's really cool. It's just a really amazing thing. It changes your perspective on everything. And so uh, I want you to understand here uh, that uh, uh, lenses always change our perspective. Why do I bring that up? Well, because we need to see our everlasting father through the lens of the Bible rather than our earthly fathers. Rather than our earthly fathers. That's really important. Now, the focus of today's sermon is really not about fathers, but you're going to get a little bit of that. The focus today is us seeing Jesus for who he really is, understanding who he is, and trying to take off the lenses that our earthly fathers have put on us so that we see God differently. See, the reality is, folks, fathers have a great responsibility. The way that we act and interact and respond to our children, we are creating and putting on glasses for them that they will look through the rest of their lives to see God. And so while this is not a sermon about how fathers should act, fathers, we should all walk out of here challenged. Challenged to put on better glasses for our children. As we look and see what kind of a father Jesus is to his children, we should be challenged to be better fathers to our children, to be a better reflection. We want the glasses that we put on our kids to help them see God more fully, more clearly, rather than distort their view. You see, when I put on these glasses, I see more clearly. I see better. I, I, in fact, I'm even required by law to wear them because they help me see so much. When I put these glasses on, it distorts my view. It's one way here. It's even worse here. Nothing looks in focus now, except the lights look like Christmas trees. So it distorts my look. But see, guys, what happens is uh, we are challenged to help our kids put on some kind of glasses to help them see God clearly. We don't want to put on these glasses on our children so that it makes it more difficult for them to see him clearly. We want to be building these kind of glasses on their little faces so that they can see God clearly for the rest of their lives. But today what I want to help you do is whatever glasses and lenses you're looking through to see Jesus, I want to kind of do a little, uh, 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 I always get this wrong, ophthalmologist, optometrist, whoever, whoever checks your eyes and helps you. I know they all do it at some point. Uh, I want to help you uh, fix the glasses on your face to get a better picture of who Jesus is and to try and overcome the glasses that our fathers have put on our faces. Now we all have kind of all kinds of different experiences with our earthly fathers. Okay, some are, are not good. Uh, some of us in, in a group this size, some of our fathers 
uh, did not provide us with what we needed, either physically or emotionally or, or relationally. Some of them may have even been abusive. Now, some of our fathers were probably pretty good. They kind of did their best, but at times, uh, uh, you know, they just, well, at times they were awesome and at times they weren't. It's just <laughs> really kind of simple. And some of our fathers were really great earthly fathers. But listen, they still were all very human, which means that they were sinful. They were imperfect. They could not be a perfect reflection of Jesus because of their simple humanness. And so, guys, while we feel a responsibility to, to create these great glasses for our kids to look through, realize, for all of us, that we can't do that perfectly because we aren't perfect, and Jesus is. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of how our earthly fathers have warped our view of who God is and then clarify who God really is to help us uh, kind of hone in our glasses a little bit. The first one is this. Some earthly fathers can be cold or even angry. Cold or even angry. Now, the rest of today, as I talk about earthly fathers, I'm going to say we. I don't want you to go, through, go out of here thinking that my father was the worst of all these things. He wasn't, okay? But I'm going to say we because I'm just going to include myself in this conversation. You know, some of our fathers never told us that they loved us. Some of our fathers were very uncomfortable giving hugs or showing affection. Now, they probably did love us deep in their hearts, if, if, if you know, a gun was put to their head, they would admit that they loved us. But for, for whatever reason, whether it was their own background or their own upbringing, it was difficult for them to share their love. My father was the youngest of five. And when he came along, uh, the story goes that I've heard a million times. You know, these are the stories we tell around the Thanksgiving table. The story goes that when he was about two or three, uh, uh, his father got on to him for something started to discipline him, and his mother said, stop, leave him alone, he's not that bad, let him go. And his father said, fine, from now on he's your son. And his father basically stepped out of his life and didn't participate the rest of his life. That warped my father's view of how to be a father, and then that, that created in him a way to be a father kind of to me. Now, he was much better than that, uh, but still those things were there. Those things were difficult for him to do to show affection and to do that until he got uh, much older. So many of us here today are, are carrying around some kind of, of, of scars or, or something in us that's never been quite right, never been quite fulfilled because our fathers were not able uh, to show that kind of affection. Some of our fathers have had serious anger issues. They scream. Uh, some of them even abuse. They hit uh, in way more severe ways than just discipline I'm talking about. They act mean, and they can even scare us at times, causing us to somewhat avoid them. I know that when my father was in an angry mood, when something had really set him off, and he didn't have a, a quick temper, but he had a, a, an extreme temper. So it took a lot to send him over the edge, but when he went over the edge, I just went to my room. I didn't want to be around, because I knew whoever got in his path was going to be collateral damage, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, folks, these are the ways that some of our earthly fathers can act. They can be cold and sometimes very angry. I want you to see today, if you're carrying around scars from those things, or you act in those kind of ways, I want you to see this morning that our everlasting Father is always full of compassion. Look at Psalm 103, verse 8. It says, The Lord is merciful 
and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He is abounding in steadfast love. He gives us mercy, and he's gracious. That gracious uh, uh, means just unearned love. He's just, he's just gracious toward us. He loves us even when we act like idiots. Now, when we choose our own selfish, sinful path, he still loves us. He still has compassion toward us. He is never, uh, like our earthly fathers, can be cold. Listen, if you ever doubt uh, that, that Jesus loves you, or if you ever feel like, boy, I wish God expressed to me uh, the, the kind of love that I needed from my father, open his word. Just read the Bible. Just go to Psalms and read. God has expressed to us his love in, in numerous ways, many, many ways. In fact, the greatest way that God the Father expressed his love was by sending his son to the earth. He gave up the most precious thing to him in order to connect with us, in order to have a relationship with us. So while our earthly fathers may be able to show love at some level, and even our best and greatest fathers who, who have, have been able to share their love and, and to, to, to express it in a good and healthy way, they've been able to embrace us and hold us and hug us and be those kind of fathers. Our heavenly father, Jesus, the everlasting father, both of them are always here, ready and full of compassion, ready to love us and to express that love to us. And I would say they have expressed that love. They, they have expressed that love. Both the father forgiving his son and for the son to go uh, by obedience to go to the cross. They have both expressed the kind of love that our hearts are looking for, that our hearts are, are craving Listen, especially men, I know that we have a tendency to go, oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man in this culture. I, I don't need anybody. I'm just, I'm, you know, that kind of thing. Kind of the tool man, you know, Tim the tool man, Taylor kind of thing, you know, the barking stuff. And, and, but listen, let's just be honest. Deep, deep down, all of us want to feel loved. Everybody, is, we all want to feel loved. We all want to feel like somebody cares about us. Like It matters that we're here. And God has expressed that to us and for us to meet that need in our hearts. Look to him for that kind of love. And then fathers be challenged to, to share that kind of love with our children. Now listen, I, I, I know our kids can drive us crazy sometimes, but I'm sure we drive God a little crazy sometimes too. And yet he still lavishes us uh, with love. And so we need to do the same thing. We also see that some earthly fathers create unrest in their children. Some of our fathers have not been very dependable. They leave their children guessing what will happen. They act in, in chaotic ways. Maybe some haven't very, been very good providers. And some don't provide any stability in their kids' lives. When we look at the number of, of divorces that take place in our culture, the number of homes that are, that are separated, and then you look in the, inside those, uh, that situation and you see all the times that maybe dads don't show up to do their visitation or they, they don't fulfill their promises and all of those kind of things. Guys, listen, we are messing up our kids' lives and the way they view God. 
some fathers promote consistent fear in their children because they just don't know how dad's going to act. Dad's going to come home from work today, and he's going he's to act in one of several different kinds of ways, and I never know what it's going to be. I never know what to count on. I never know how he's going to react with me. I never know how he's going interact, to interact with me. And it leaves this, this sense of just uh, fear in our lives, in our hearts. But our everlasting Father, the Bible says, provides rest for our souls. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this word soul does not just mean our eternal soul. It means who we are at our core. It includes our personality, our emotions, our intellect, Basically, our whole person. Jesus is saying, listen, if you'll come to me and take my burden upon you, it's light. It's lighter than the world's burden. And I'll give you rest for your spirit. I'll give you rest for your whole self. I will give you emotional rest. I will give you a relational rest. I will create less chaos in your life. I will overcome a lot of the chaos that you've brought to your own life and that others bring into your life. I will not bring chaos. I will bring rest. Fathers, it's important for us to teach our kids with the lens that we are putting on them that we are dependable, that we are consistent Uh, that we can provide for them a certain level, even in our humanness, uh, of just safety, emotional safety, relational safety. But we see here that Jesus provides it at the extreme. In fact, you know what, folks? This alone, this alone should be enough reason for a person to give their life to Jesus. Let's say for for argument's sake, uh, uh, we we can't know anything about eternity. We can because the Bible tells us a lot about it. But let's say we didn't know that. And the only reason to give your life to Jesus is that from this day forward, the rest of your life, he's going to bring an amount of of rest and, and less chaos to your life. That alone should be enough reason to to give your life to Jesus. And yet there's so much more. There's so much more. Men, I want to challenge you. Uh, we need to be better fathers and less, bring less chaos into our, our families' lives. Next, we see that some earthly fathers do not bless their children. They don't really bless their children. You may know some of these kind of fathers. Some are selfish, uh, blessing really themselves and letting their children come along for the ride. Now, I will admit, uh, I've done this a couple of times. Uh, uh, during uh, the times when uh, Mandra was little and she wanted some toy that I thought would be really cool, I went ahead and bought it for her because I wanted to play with it, okay? I, we've all done that. Let's just be honest, right? Right? Okay, maybe a little bit. Uh, but listen, some fathers, they live this really incredibly selfish life, and they just let their kids kind of like bask in the leftovers, So I'm going to buy all these toys and these big things for myself, 
and I'll let you ride it. I'll let you drive it. I'll let you do something with it. They don't really bless their children. They really don't have a sense to be a blessing to their children. They're really blessing their own lives and their kids just get the overflow of it. And this can sometimes feel like being blessed, but, but eventually kids grow to the place where they realize that their father was doing very little out of pure selfish, selflessness, but just allowing us to be blessed by his selfishness. Guys, we need to really think about this and find ways that we show uh, our selflessness to our families, willing to give up things for them because our everlasting Father has an actual plan to bless us. It's not just that knowing him provides some kind of blessing. It's not that he's just so good that blessings overflow out of him onto us. It's not just that. Look what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this is not in the New Testament. He's not specifically talking to us. But folks, this, is just a, this just explains the character of God. God's saying, hey, listen, I actually, I make, I make plans to bless your life. I, I'm, I'm putting things in place. I'm, I'm organizing things. I'm structuring things so that at the end you'll be blessed. I'm creating blessings for you. Guys, how many of us spend time and, and brain power going, man, how can I bless my kids? What can, what can I do this Christmas to not just, you know, buy the things that they want Okay, that's a little bit of a... But how can I be, how can I really make this Christmas special and be this huge blessing to my children? How can I put on the right lenses for my kids to understand God because they see their dad blessing them? Wow, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And if our dads have not been those kind of dads, we may not even really realize how to do that. As I talk to men about some of these things sometimes, they honestly say, that sounds like a great idea, Michael. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know my kids well enough to know how to bless them. I don't even know what they really, really, really desire. See, that's one of the good things about God is he knows us from the inside out. He knows how to bring blessings to our life because he knows us. Guys, my, my, my contention would be that we can't ever ever be a real blessing to our children until we get to know them, till we know what they're like, till we know what is in their heart, what they really desire in life. And I don't mean just physical things, but what do they really, what do they really desire out of a relationship with us? But God here actually is making plans to bless our lives. Now, that's not always how we want it to be or how we plan or how we think he should plan, but he's still blessing us all the same. Listen, I'm, I'm consistently blessed by God's unexpected blessings. I, I'm, I'm consistently uh, uh, just enthralled and, and, and excited to see how God blesses my life in ways that I don't expect. And if you're here and you say, you know what, I, that's great for you, Michael. I'm glad that works for pastors, but it doesn't work for me. I don't see God blessing my life very much. Uh, I don't see too many unexpected things happening to me to just bless me. Maybe it's because 
your glasses are so uh, fogged over, you can't see those blessings. Maybe it's because you're not looking for them. Maybe it's because uh, uh, you, you put way too much emphasis on karma and uh, things, you know, go around, come around, to the, all that baloney that we, we say and we think at times. Folks, uh, there is no karma. There is no, if I just do good things, good things are going to come back to me. There is a biblical principle There's a biblical principle of if we are faithful with little, God will grant us much, but that's a whole different deal. Okay, Folks, if we have been messed up in our heads thinking that somehow God's against us or God's up there as a cosmic killjoy ready to strike us with lightning as soon as we do the wrong thing, we got to figure out how to get better glasses. God is up there working situations and circumstances to figure out how to bless our lives, and all we got to do is not mess it up. (laughs) The last thing I want you to see today is this. Some earthly fathers are absent. Now, some are present in body, but they're not really present. I have been in people's homes... When a father is watching television and his children come up to talk to him and he's so focused and laser focused on the television, he can't even interact with them. And then when they finally get his attention away, he says, hey, I'm watching television right now. Don't bug me. Folks, God doesn't ever act like that. And by the way, just because your body is in the house doesn't mean you're present. Now, some fathers are actually physically not present because they just choose not to be, because of divorce, because of relationship problem, whatever. They're just absent. And I know some of you are sitting here going, man, I'm glad my dad, he was, he was always there for me. He's, he's always there for me. Listen, even the greatest fathers in this area, they eventually die on us. They don't plan to or want to. They just leave us because of this sinful world. None of our fathers will probably, unless we pass away before they do, none of our fathers will always be present. They eventually become absent. And some of us might be absent sitting right there. I want you to know, folks, our everlasting father is always present. He is always present present. Hebrews 13, uh, last half of of, uh, Hebrews 13, 5 says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus as part of the Trinity, as the everlasting Father, never leaves us. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Where can we go? Where can we go today and get away from Jesus? Pick a spot on the map. Shoot a rocket into space. Where are we going to go and get away from Jesus? We can't, folks. He's ever-present. And he's not just sitting in the chair telling us to go away either. He's present like this. He's present with us. I remember when Mandra was little, she had a little bit of a problem of focusing. And when I couldn't get her to listen to me and I couldn't get her to pay attention, I would take her little face in my hands and I would say, Mandra, look at me. 
look at me, look right here at my nose. And I would begin to speak to her. And about three seconds in, she's, you know, going, nope, 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 come right back here, focus here. I, I, just, I just wonder how many times God has taken my face and said, Michael, I'm right here. I'm just right, just look at me. I'm right here. Don't be, don't, be, don't be doing that. Don't be chasing all the squirrels in your mind. Stay with me. I'm right here. You see, folks, Jesus is always present. He's always present in our lives. He wants to be more present to us. And by the way, when we feel that lack of his presence, it's not because he's taking his hands off of our face and walked away from us. It's because while our hands are in his face, we're looking all around at other things, at other ways, at other people, at our own desires. And he seems out of focus. Listen, if you were blessed to have a good earthly father, praise God. That's, you are one of the blessed ones. And by the way, if, if you have had a great earthly father, I want you today, this is homework, I want you today to bless God for him, thank God for him, and express your appreciation to your father for giving you some good lenses to see God through. If he's done that for you, man, you you owe him a lot. You owe him a lot. But even if your experience with your earthly father was bad, and he's given you glasses to see God like this, that take a lot of work to overcome, Listen, I want you to go, to go away today knowing these things. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is right there to provide you with eternal compassion, love, and acceptance. He's there to provide rest for your entire personhood, for who you are in every way. He's there planning to bless your life. And not always financially, but, but to bless your life in ways you couldn't even uh, figure out for yourself. And his eternal presence is there. You'll never find yourself alone in this world. No matter how you feel or what you think or what circumstances go on around you, you will never find yourself alone either in this world or the next if you know Jesus. Folks, I want us today to take an active part in, in taking off uh, the, the, the messed up glasses that our earthly fathers provide for us, whether they be incredibly messed up or just slightly messed up because we had a great father. I want us to take off those glasses and I want us to see Jesus through the lens of what the Bible says about him. And I want us to put on the right kind of glasses so we see that he is this eternal, fa- uh, everlasting father figure for us. He provides the things that a perfect father, if we could be perfect, would provide for his children. And he's there providing those things for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love, your mercy, your kindness, your patience with us. Oh, you're so patient. Father, we thank you that you want to provide rest for our spirits, for our souls, for every part of us. We thank you the things that are going to be happening in the future in ways we couldn't even plan. 
And Father, most of all, we thank you for your eternal presence that is with us. You know uh, as how it is for us to feel alone at times because of circumstances or because those we have loved have done us wrong. But Father, help us to be satisfied with you. Help us to realize that the love and the acceptance that you provide is all the love and acceptance we ever really need. Give us good lenses that we see through the Bible to see you in the right perspective so that our views of you are not skewed any longer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.